we're in a series of messages on the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, over the last number of weeks, we have been looking in particular at practical steps to understanding and exercising spiritual gifts uh, in a way that remains grounded in Scripture and centered in Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes about these spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and chapter 14. And so this week we're looking at the gift of prophecy. And prophecy is simply what happens when a person speaks for God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You speak for God under the immediate inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, prophecy is based on spontaneous revelation. Uh, there are a couple of spiritual gifts which um, we can kind of put together and they're often called revelatory gifts. Uh, um, the spiritual gift of a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom uh, and prophecy and also the discerning of spirits. They're, they're often called revelatory because they, they're grounded in or, or they flow out of something that the Spirit of God spontaneously reveals or makes known to a human heart and mind. So uh, this passage of scripture we've, we've been grounding this uh, series of teachings in is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, verses 8 through to 10. I'm going to quickly read these verses. In verse 8, uh, Paul writes, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. In verse 9 he says, To another faith, that's mountain-moving faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by that one and same Spirit. To another, in verse 10, miraculous powers. To another, or the miraculous powers or, or the, 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 uh, the, the power to work miracles. To another, prophecy. That's what we're talking about today. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. The Holy Spirit determines when and where and who, and will anoint those people with these gifts for the purposes of God, to encourage and exhort the church. It's for the common good. So in verse 10, the Apostle Paul mentions the spiritual gift of prophecy. Now that word prophecy, if you go back to the Greek, in the New Testament, the Greek word is the word prophetia. And that word has two roots, pro meaning forth and femi meaning to speak. In other words, the literal meaning of prophecy is to speak forth. Uh, Strong's lexicon describes it, describes it in this way, this word profiteer. Uh, uh, and so the, the lexicon really is to get a, a better understanding of what that Greek word means. So prophecy, profiteer, Strong's uh, lexicon says this, it says a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God, whether by reproving and admonishing the wicked or comforting the afflicted or revealing things hidden and foretelling, also could be foretelling future events. So it's a discourse, it's a, it's a message, it's a communication which comes from divine inspiration and it's this divine inspiration which declares the purposes of God. And the purpose of, purposes of God through this divine message may be for reproving and admonishing people. It, it may be for comforting people. It may be to reveal things that are hidden. And it might be to foretell what could happen in future. Now, very often in the church, when we talk about prophecy, a lot of people think we're talking about future events. You know, that's often what people think. You're going to foretell what's going to happen down the line. But when we use the word prophecy in the church, we're not referring primarily to the prediction of future events. Prophecy is so much more than that. And I think this is something we need to understand. 
This is not about predicting what, what's going to happen. Yes, the Spirit of God might reveal something that can happen in, in the future, but that is primar- not primarily what prophecy is about. A simple definition would, would be that prophecy is just, it's the human report of a divine revelation. And so prophecy is the speaking forth in human words, something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. Now, I think we should all ask ourselves a question. I really think this is something that we need to sit with. Because Paul's quite serious when he, he tells us to, to, to pursue these gifts, these spiritual gifts. And he kind of, he, he kind of, um, he underlines that word prophecy. He says, especially prophecy. And so I, I, my question is, do you think that we should make pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit and especially the spiritual gift of prophecy, do you think we should make this a priority in our lives? Re- really, I want you to sit with this. Do you think we should make this should be important? Should we make it a priority? Because in, in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul, Paul writes this. He, he writes, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. What's he saying over there? What's he writing? He's saying, follow in the way of love. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we've got to be known by our love for one another. That, that's, our, that, that's, that's what Scripture teaches. We'll be known by the love that we have for others. Those within the household of God and those who are unbelievers, those who don't know God, those who are far from God. And so what we've got to do is follow in the way of love. Love's got to be something that emanates, that just flows out, out of us. Our attitude, our speech, our thinking. Love should really define who we are. So he says, follow the way of love. And then Paul says, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire, earnestly desire. And then he underlines the spiritual gift prophecy. He says, especially prophecy. Paul doesn't simply say that we should think about desiring to prophesy. Yeah, let's think about it. No, you know, Paul doesn't say, you know, put it down on a possible list of things to discuss. Yeah, you discuss it in the church. No, no, no. Paul commands us to earnestly desire to prophesy. And folk, you know, here's where we really have to begin to say to ourselves and to ask ourselves, are we just in some kind of religious uh, thing where we, we, you know, it's the same old, same old every week, week in and week out. This is just something that we do and it's become a religious routine. Or are we the kind of people who actually put into practice the things that we talk about and the things that we sing about and the things that we pray about when we come together to worship God. One of the songs that we've been singing in our church community for the last couple of weeks is this is this song, Make Room. And I love uh, two of the lines and the lyrics to that song. Make Room, um, the two lines are, Shake up the ground of all my tradition. And the second one is, Break down the walls of all my religion. Shake up the ground of all my tradition and break down the walls of all my religion. You know, in parts of the church, people get worried when when you start asking questions like, well, how should we deal with this whole area of spiritual gifts? You know, how do, how do we how do we handle this prophecy? You know, what what do we do around this? Or when people begin to say, well, I, I, I really have a desire for the manifestation of, of the Spirit's power. I want to see an invisible God make himself visible. I want to see the power of God at work. And very often people say, well, what do, we, what do we say? How do we handle it? When people start asking those kinds of questions. What should our response be to talking about the supernatural? Oh, should we go there? 
And you see, very often when people ask those questions, if you listen closely, you'll detect behind those questions a measure of fear. There's this concern that people who yearn for the ministry and power of the Spirit are getting maybe a little, you know, crazy. Maybe they're out on the fringe a bit. Maybe they're going soft on doctrine. You know, they're neglecting spiritual disciplines. Or, or maybe, you know, all this spiritual stuff is, you know, it's, it's just, it's all, it's emotional stuff. And, and it's an excuse for ignoring proper Bible study and evangelism and prayer. But in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul tells us, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So Paul, Paul says that this is good to desire. This is good to do. God bless you. If you're doing this, Paul's like, go for it. You know, his whole argument, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, is about building up the church. And he encourages the pursuit of prophecy because of its capacity to edify others in the church. And so he commands the Corinthians to whom this letter is addressed, the church at Corinth, he commands them. And in turn, it is imputed to us as believers in the person of Jesus, as people who say, yes, this is the divinely inspired word of God. And so therefore, it is applicable to us. And if Paul commands or instructs the Corinthians to do this, then you know, to, to earnestly desire these gifts, to pursue them, and especially the gift of prophecy, then I ask you, how does it impact us today in the 21st century? Because earnestly desire, that means to have a strong affection for something. That that means to really go after something. It's to ardently yearn for these gifts. It's to zealously long for them. Paul's like, I want you to want these gifts. I want you to want them, and I want you to want them really bad, especially prophecy. So, do we? Do we? I mean, it's not an option. And I think too many people think, well, you know, this is like an optional extra in my Christian walk. It's, you know, it's maybe I will, maybe I won't. No, no, this is not an option. You're not buying a car. You have committed your life to the person of Jesus Christ and God has made these gifts available to the church. It's not an option. Some people will say, oh, well, you know, these spiritual gifts, I don't, I'm not that kind of person. It's, 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 it's not the way I'm wired. Listen, it's not an issue of personality. This is not an issue of it's for that church, but maybe not for our church. You know, we've got our mission statement. They've got theirs. You know, they've got their values and stuff and whatever it might be. And maybe God's calling them to pursue this kind of stuff. But, you know, we've got a different divine mandate. No, no, no. You cannot respond to Paul's words in this passage by saying, thanks, God. But, you know, no, thanks. You know, I appreciate the opportunity you've offered me, but it, I don't think it's my thing, God, really. You, you know what I mean? I actually think God might say something like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, but I'm telling you to make it your thing. You see, all churches, no matter how different they are, have an identical mandate when it comes to obeying Scripture. No one is exempt. No one, no one gets a special pass. There's, there's no uniqueness about any church where you know you could justify disobedience to God's word. Desiring spiritual gifts is not a suggestion. It's not good advice. It's not wise counsel. This is really an instruction. It is a divine command. It is a mandate from God himself. And if you and I are not earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, we should be asking ourselves, are we actually being disobedient? Because this is not an issue for prayer. 
You don't respond to this passage of Scripture by saying, well, yeah, I'll pray about this. No, no. You don't pray about whether or not you're going to obey God. If you really believe that this book, these scriptures, this holy book, if you believe that it is the divine inspired word of God, then you would understand that when you read these words, God's not giving us a choice. He's giving us an instruction. The only choice we have is whether or not we're going to obey. I mean, can you imagine if we responded to other commands in scripture, the way we might respond to pursuing these spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, especially prophecy? Can you imagine? You know, can you imagine if someone said, well, I don't feel led to flee fornication. You know, sexual relations before marriage. Yeah, I, I, I think that's meant for other Christians. I don't, I, I don't sense that's my calling. Can you imagine a follower of Jesus saying that? Or could you imagine, you know, adultery, the prohibition in Scripture against adultery? Can you imagine someone saying, well, uh, that's just you know, the whole adultery thing. You know, that's just not compatible with, with where I am in God right now. Can you imagine someone saying that? Or forget about morality. Let's just come to being generous people, being a generous giver. You know, the scripture again teaches us God gives us so much. Everything we have comes from him, comes from his hand. And if we begin to understand that, we'll begin to respond in a generous way. But so often we, we, we like the rest of the world, we cling to what we have, we hold on to it and we give God just a tiny little portion. Can you imagine a follower of Jesus saying, you know, when it comes to generosity, yeah, I'm, I'm just not into that sort of thing. You know, I, I need to just, I'll give a little. It, doesn't, it, does, it does not line up to the teaching of, of what we read in the inspired word of God. And it, it, it's not an example of who we claim to be, followers of Christ. And you see, it's not enough to just be open to the spiritual gifts either. It's not enough just to be open to their operation in the church. We're instructed here to be zealous for them. We, we actually earnestly need to desire the presence of those spiritual gifts in uh, our gatherings as, as individuals, as followers of Jesus. And like Paul says, especially this gift of prophecy. You know, really, let's never forget that spiritual gifts were God's idea. He thought them up. He did. He gave them to the church. And the reason why God has given them to the church is because it is his way for encouraging us and consoling us and helping us. Spiritual gifts were formed and shaped by God. They operate in his power and they manifest his spirit. They are a sign of one day what we can expect in a resurrected life, in a new creation. It's a visible sign of what we can expect one day. It's like heaven breaking into our reality right now when we see God made, made visible through the power of the Spirit, in the operating of these, these gifts, <laughs> practicing the power. You know, we've got to welcome the gifts of the Holy Spirit into our life. Nowhere in this chapter does Paul recommend, when, it, when, he, when he writes to the Corinthians, that they should abandon these spiritual gifts. He doesn't say that. And, and he doesn't de-emphasize spiritual power either. He says, practice it. He simply gives them a, a few guidelines on how these powerful manifestations of the Spirit are to be properly exercised in the body of Christ for the edification of God's people. He says, you know, you, you can get a bit out of hand on these things, but he doesn't say don't desire them. He encourages them to go after them, these gifts. So, so I, I guess we could ask ourselves, you know, if, if we're going to be zealous about this, if we're going to welcome the gifts of the Holy Spirit into our lives, if we're going to welcome these gifts into the life of our church, we, we should be saying, well, then, okay, how should the, these big gifts be exercised in the church? 
Well, I got, I got seven little questions and answers I'm just going to quickly run through for our church. And I believe this is the, the kind of the best way of going about seeing the practicing of the power of the Holy Spirit in, in our church community. So the first one is, can anyone prophesy? Can anyone prophesy? Well, the answer is yes. Anyone who is a believer, who's placed their life in the hands of God, who has surrendered their heart to Jesus, who has made Jesus the king of their life, the Lord of their life, the leader of their life. This gift is for every believer. Paul's desire for people to prophesy comes from his recognition that a person who prophesies is going to build up, is going to encourage, is going to edify the church. In verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 14, he writes, Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And if you go further on in that chapter, verses 24, 25, and then to 31, he, he seems to envision the possibility that any Christian might speak prophetically. In verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 14, we read, But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, I'll say that again, while everyone is prophesying, then that unbeliever or inquirer will be convicted of their sin and brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their heart are laid bare. And, and they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you because God has revealed something to, through, to them through prophecy. But everyone, it says everyone is prophesying. Everyone can prophesy. In verse 31, you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and, in, and encouraged. We can all prophesy. So, on occasion, all of us may receive this gift as a result um, and uh, of waiting upon the Lord, being open to the Lord, have a, have a heart that's saying, Lord, I welcome the gifts of the Spirit into my life. I welcome those gifts into our church. I long to see them in operation. So anyone who, uh, on occasion where the Holy Spirit might just anoint you in that moment, you um, can receive this gift and as a result, prophesy or, or speak forth what God has revealed to you. So anyone can prophesy. Here's my second question, because a lot of people wonder about this. You know, when Paul exhorts the Corinthians to especially desire prophecy, and, and the same is applicable to us, we are encouraged to desire prophecy. But if we go back to this letter to the, to the church at Corinth, we could ask, well, is he denouncing or denigrating the gift of tongues? You know, is he saying this is you know not so important? Is it ineffective in church life? Because he's almost elevating prophecy above tongues. The answer is no. I mean, we're still going to look at this gift in, in a number of weeks, but um, you know, you, Paul speaks a lot about tongues in, in, in this chapter. In fact, he says, I thank God that, it, that I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> Paul's like, I speak in tongues probably more than all of you, okay? But, but, but people will say, well, why is he elevating this, gift of, this spiritual gift of prophecy? It, it looks like he's kind of wanting to push down the gift of tongues. Well, what he's doing is he's contrast, contrasting in the first five verses of 1 Corinthians 14, um, it's not prophecy in tongues, but it's prophecy and uninterpreted tongues. That's what he's contrasting. Prophecy and uninterpreted tongues in the corporate meeting of the church. Prophecy is greater than uninterpreted tongues because it serves to build up the church. And, and you can only be built up or edified and instructed by something if you understand it, right? I mean, if it's not going to make any sense to you, then, you know, it's, how's it going to encourage you? And uninterpreted tongues is unintelligible. That doesn't mean it's bad. In fact, Paul strongly encourages praying in tongues. He encourages us in our private devotion, devotions to, to pray in tongues. But I'll tell you this. If, 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 if there is a tongue, if there's an interpretation of that tongue in a church gathering, then the gift of tongues can function in the same way 
that prophecy does to build up other believers, as long as there's an, an interpretation. So he's not denigrating tongues. Okay, third question. Where does prophecy come from? Again, this comes from God. It's a divine revelation. All prophecy is based on a revelation. In uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 30, Paul writes, And if a revelation comes to someone, if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting there, then he says the first speaker should stop and, you know, let's, let's hear what God has to say. And if a revelation comes to someone, there are different ways or senses in which God might reveal something to us. You know, you can go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17 and Paul prays here that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would be granted to believers. He, he, he says, I, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And we see these words reveal and revelation in many other passages. So prophecy comes from a divine revelation, a spontaneous divine. It's like in the moment, just God places something in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. And, and it's not based on a hunch. You know, prophecy is not an, an inference. It's, it's not an educated guess. It's not some personal insight, you know, some personal insight that you've got to a situation or a person's life. It's, it's also not intuition. Prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. And it's always based on a spontaneous divine revelation. Here's the fourth question. What kind of information does God reveal in prophecy? Oh, it's a good question, isn't it? Because uh, I, I love that verse we read in first, uh, verse 25 in 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul speaks of God disclosing the secrets of the heart. Uh, he writes that as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. You know, often people believe their, their thoughts and their fantasies, their sins, their plans you know a, a lot of times people think that that's it's secretly hidden nobody nobody knows about it and and and, and they can deceive themselves into thinking that even god doesn't really know you know so the revelatory activity of the holy spirit in a situation where a secret of the heart is laid bare when the holy spirit works in that way it can at times be pretty shocking for people so that's one way in which uh um, God will bring revelation. That is sometimes the kind of information that is revealed in prophecy. But there are any number of things that God might choose to reveal through this gift. It may be a warning or a passage of scripture that God brings to mind or to your, to to um, into your heart at that time. That you know that scripture just applies precisely to that moment um, in time to a person's life. It could be a word of exhortation or encouragement. It, you know, uh, that prophetic word might be uh, an invitation to some uh, some ministry opportunity. That's the kind of information that God might want a, a church to hear, a ministry opportunity. God might be saying, there's a young man or there's a young woman over here and I'm calling them to full-time ministry. I'm calling them to the pastorate. I, I, you know, it's a word to go to Bible school or to go to the mission field. You know, it might be some ministry opportunity. It may just be to serve in the church somewhere or to, you know, get out of your own little comfort zone. Um, but but um, the information that comes is it could be guidance for decision-making. It may be a revelation of some illness that God intends to heal. It may it may even be a prophetic word concerning a spiritual gift that God intends to impart to a person. There's so many things that God can 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 bring 
into uh, the the realm of our knowledge and understanding through the uh, the working of the gift of prophecy. Now, the next question here is, is is a pretty good one, I think. It's the fifth question that I have, and it's, can we mess with the message? Can we mess with, with that prophetic word that comes, you know, it's that divine revelation, it's in that moment, it's spontaneous. Can we mess with the message? The answer is yes, we can. We most certainly can. We might misinterpret or misapply what God has disclosed. The fact that God has spoken perfectly doesn't mean that we have heard perfectly. We may perceive or understand the revelation imperfectly. And, and if, we, if, we, if we do that, then the consequence is we, would, we will communicate it um, imperfectly. So what should we do? What should we do if we if we've if if we ha- if we receive a prophetic word? Well, we need to test it, right? We need to, we need to weigh the prophecy, and we get, we need to ask ourselves essentially three questions. We need to we need to ask of the prophetic word three questions. Does 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 this conform to the word of God? In other words, is it aligned to to what we read in Scripture? Is it aligned to the teaching of Scripture? So, does it conform to the word of God? Secondly. Does it edify the body? Does it encourage? Does it enlighten or guide the church or someone in the church? And thirdly, does it glorify the name of Jesus? You know, does it honor the name of the one that we follow? Does it honor the person of Jesus Christ? So, you know, most certainly we can we can we can mess with a, 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 a prophetic revelation, and if we, and we can communicate that imperfectly, and that's why it's important. That's why Scripture teaches us weigh the prophecy. We need to test the prophecy. We don't ban the gift from operating in the church. We don't say because someone got it wrong, well, we're, not, we're no longer going to have prophetic words. No, no, that's the wrong thing to do. We've got to eagerly desire these gifts. We've got to welcome the gifts of the Holy Spirit into our church. You know, And if someone brings a word and is bold enough and steps out there and gets it wrong, we don't excommunicate them. We don't say, there's the door, off you go. No, no. Sometimes... People will get it wrong. And what we ought to do is respond with grace. We weigh the prophecy, we test it, but we respond with grace. So if the prophetic word doesn't measure up, what it does is it provides a learning moment. And the key for all of us here is to be teachable. We all, all of us need to be teachable. We, we've got to be learners. And so we, we, we show grace. And in that moment, you know, if I've brought a, brought a word and it's off key, if it's, you know, offline, if it's not the right, if it doesn't line up, if it's, does, if it's not edifying, then, then I have to be teachable. If this is a moment, it's a learning moment. It's a learning opportunity. And we should take those learning moments because if we do that, the next time God uses us with that gift, we will get better at communicating what has been divinely revealed. All right. Six, six question. What is the purpose of a prophetic word well we we, I've, we see this over and over in in these chapters paul says you know these gifts are to build up they to edify and prophecy builds up the people of god it encourages it consoles you know when people are suddenly confronted with the inescapable reality that god truly knows their hearts you know or that god has heard their prayers and it's god that god is intimately acquainted with all of their ways you know when that happens People get encouraged. They're, they're encouraged to keep on keeping on, to press on, to persevere. I've, I've often spoken with, with you know, Christians who, in spite of what they knew, you know, knew and know to be theologically true, you know, they read the Word of God and, and, and they know all the promises and they know, you know what it teaches and they know it's true. But at the same time, they've found themselves in a space where it's like, well, has God, is God really listening? Has God forgotten about me? 
And it seems to them that their prayers aren't being heard or, you know, not even answered. You know, it's, it's like, it's like they're in a difficult place. And, and, and this is where this gift can be in operation because often without warning, people who are in that place of, you know, questioning God, you know, God, my prayers aren't being heard and much less answered. Where are you? You know, they receive a prophetic word from, from it, might, it might be someone they know, it might be a total stranger. And somebody brings a word that could be known only by God himself. You know, it's only like God himself knows that they haven't shared what's going on in their life. And you know, when that prophetic word comes, that individual's faith is bolstered. They're encouraged. Their spirit is lifted. I mean, how many of you need edification? How many of you need encouragement? How many of you need, you need consolation? You need, you need being, your, your spirit to be lifted. I mean, who, who doesn't need those things? And that's what prophecy was designed by God to accomplish. It's, it's no wonder Paul commands us to earnestly desire that we might prophesy so that we can encourage, we can, we can edify, we can, we can help people. It's not to dazzle people. Pro- listen, prophecy is not for sensationalism. It's, it's not to draw attention to ourselves. You know, so oftentimes I've come across people who are like, well, they, they, they move in the prophetic and it's all about the individual and they're drawing attention to themselves. That's not what prophecy is about. Prophecy is about displaying the love of God for his people. Prophecy is about conf- confirming God's presence and power in our lives. And, and it shows that he cares for us. It shows us uh, his providential care. Okay, here's the seventh question, and then we're going to wrap it up. How should prophecy function at Renew? You know, we're a, we're a new church community, and, and I eagerly desire these gifts within the life of our church. And, and, I, and I want all of us to welcome the gifts of the Holy Spirit into, into the life of Renew. And we should be a church that practices the power of the Holy Spirit. And God has made these gifts available. So we should eagerly desire them. But how, do we, how, do, how does it function practically? Well, I think the first thing to say is that the, the best place to start exercising the spiritual gift is in your small group. Are you in a small group? I hope you are. If you're not, you need to find a small group because it's good to be in community. It's good to be in a place where you get together with other followers of Jesus on a, on a fairly regular basis. And in a small group, this is, this is the, it's the perfect place to exercise the spiritual gift because we can only learn by doing it. And if you have a thought or something comes to mind in a given moment and, and, and you think to yourself, well, where did that come from? You know, I wasn't even thinking about that situation. I wasn't even thinking about that person. But suddenly my brain has gone there. Well, that could very well be the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if that thought or that vision or picture is coupled with a strong impression to say something, then you should say something. Listen, listen to me. God would much rather that you try and get it wrong than refuse to do it. He would much rather that you begin to operate and exercise these gifts. You know, we'll weigh the prophecy, but just be obedient. And small groups are a safe place where we can we can make those mistakes and not feel stupid. It's a good place for grace. It's a good place to grow in these things. But I also believe that op- the opportunity uh, should exist for the use of the spiritual gift of prophecy um, when we gather together, you know, like we do every Sunday. But obviously it's a, lar- a larger gathering, so there needs to be some guidelines. And so... If you're in church and you believe that the Lord has revealed something to you, then you need to share that with myself or one of the other elders, Eugene or Chi. 
And all you do is you just come alongside them and say, you know, I, I, you just communicate what you believe the Lord is saying. And as the leadership in the church, we'll make a, a very quick judgment as to whether we feel you've indeed heard from God. And, and let me just let me just say, because sometimes people think we're, we're we, you know, we're perfect. We're not. We are not infallible. So we can also get it wrong. So please don't be offended if we decide in that moment not to go ahead with 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 that prophetic word. Sometimes we might just sense now's not the time. But if 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 we do, if we think you know that the Lord really ha- is speaking through you and and to you, and there's something that the church needs to hear, then we're gonna we're gonna make a decision on that. I, I guess the the first thing before we uh, um, bring it to the church is to is to see whether that is is actually for the church. So you know sometimes God. We, we might hear from God and it could be intended for us or it might be for a particular individual. Um, God works in those ways. And so we have to discern as to whether that word is for the whole church. But if we believe it, it's a word that everyone should hear, then as the leadership, we'll make room for it either to be heard immediately or we'll wait until after worship or maybe we'll do it before the sermon or after the message. Um, we'll, but we'll, plan, we'll, we'll bring it to the church. I also just have to say that if you're known to us as a church community, we'll probably ask you to share it. You know, God's revealed that to you. Then you get up there and you share it with the church. But if it's someone that we don't know, if it's someone who's a stranger to the church, you know, then I or another leader will assume responsibility for communicating that word. And then I just need to say that if a prophetic word is brought, every one of us, every one of us has a personal responsibility to pay attention. We need to pay close attention to that prophetic word, we need to judge it or evaluate the biblical validity of you know, the content of that word. But if it's a, a word from God, our ears need to be open. We need to be saying, Lord, what are you saying? And we need to, we need to listen carefully and need to act in obedience to what, to what God is saying. And then just finally, I'd say that, you know, the scriptures really are pretty clear that at most two or three uh, should speak during the course of any gathering. And so you know, we, we'll, we'll keep to that as a church community. Amen. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening. And I really pray that you would pursue the gift of prophecy, that you would make this a priority in your life, that you'd open up your heart, that you'd open up your mind, that you'd have an open spirit to say, Holy Spirit, come that you'd welcome the gifts of the Holy Spirit and that you would say, God, I'm ready to be used. I want to practice the power of the Holy Spirit in a prophetic way. So be blessed. See you next Sunday.